the Triathlon Show 279. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of That Triathlon Show, the podcast presented by scientifictriathlon.com. I'm your host, Michael, and on today's episode, I interview Helle Fredriksen. Helle is a coach and former professional athlete. Back in her racing days, Helle competed in the London 2012 Olympics. She is the ITU Long Distance World Champion from 2018, and she holds the fastest ever time in women's half-distance racing with a 3.55.50 from Challenge Bahrain. In this interview, we discuss Helle's training and coaching philosophies, uh, racing execution advice, and the importance of racing, and much, much more. But before we get into the interview, big thanks to our sponsors. First, we have Precision Hydration that you can find on precisionhydration.com. Precision Hydration's electrolyte products are trusted by athletes like Sarah Crowley, Emma Pallant, and the team Sunweb World Tour Cycling Team. You can order electrolytes of different strengths to match how you sweat because sweat sodium concentration levels vary from as little as 200 milligrams of sodium per liter of sweat to as much as 2000 milligrams per liter of sweat. And when you combine these differences in sodium concentration with differences in actual sweat rates, so somebody at a certain intensity might sweat one liter per hour but another person might sweat two liters per hour or even more then the potential uh, variance in the total net sodium losses for one athlete versus another can be really really significant and especially over the course of longer events like a middle or full distance triathlon go and take a free online sweat test on precisionhydration.com to get a personalized hydration strategy and get advice for what strength or electrolyte would suit you and you can get 15% off your order with the promo code thattriathlonshow15 and thank you to roca that you can find on roca.com roca have created products like the maverick wetsuit lineup the viper swimskins and the gen 2 elite aero tri suits uh, to make you as fast as you can possibly be on race day these types of products are designed from the ground up uh, with taking every single measure that can be taken to make the, pro- pro- the products faster in the water or faster in the air more aerodynamic uh, when you're on the bike in the tri suit and so on uh, Basically, the end goal of these are performance. And uh, as a user of Roka's products, I can say personally that uh, they they really nail it with, with all of those products. I have them all and love them all. But in the last few years, Roka have also entered the market of, uh, of eyewear, and in particular prescription glasses and sunglasses. And they are taking a bold new approach with uh, really, really cool designs, first of all, but also their features and innovations like the blue light blocking coding options, uh, the home try-on options and uh, customization options, the materials used that are ultra lightweight, the Geeko anti-slip technology, uh, the fact that they have no pressure points uh, in their glasses and uh, much, much more make these glasses just really, really cool and a joy to wear and use whether we're talking uh, sunglasses or prescription glasses or prescription sunglasses. 
You can get 20% off your order with the promo code that you can get on roca.com forward slash TTS. And that applies to all of their triathlon products or swimming or endurance sports products, as well as those uh, eyewear products. Now, without any further ado, let's get into the interview with Helle Fredriksson. Today's guest on the triathlon show is Helle Fredriksson. Helle, welcome. How are you doing? Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm, I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Uh, why don't you start by just giving the audience a bit of a, an introduction to yourself, who you are and, uh, and your background in the sport of triathlon and so on? Yep. Well, I am, my name is Helle Fredriksen. I'm from Denmark. I am, I'm a former professional triathlete. I retired um, one and a half year ago now after being in the sport for about 15 years, more or less, and about 11 years as a professional. Um, I, yeah, I, I'm an Olympian from uh, London 2012. And I am an ITU um, long distance world champion. And then I have uh, 10 70.3, Ironman 70.3 victories. And I still am the uh, holder of the fastest time on a half distance uh, for a female. Um, I did that in Bahrain in 2014 and it's still standing. Um, so that's like, uh, yeah, my, my sporting background. Um, so, and before triathlon, I was, um, uh, I, I swam as a kid uh, and was on the national team in swimming up through my teenage years um, before having a, a, a good break uh, before I actually got into triathlon. And uh, you've also done university studies. I think you have a master's in nutrition. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So I have a bachelor in sports science and health and then a master in, in human nutrition. Um, so I got that done actually before I turned pro. I was racing elite uh, while I, I did my my master, but I decided when I finished my thesis that uh, now I'm going to try and, and give it my all and, and you know, try and turn every stone so that I will not regret that I didn't give it a, a chance. Yeah, that makes sense. And uh, your all-time best 71.3 result in Bahrain, what was the time that you set there? Um, three hours and 55 minutes and 50 seconds. All right. Uh, and I do want to break down, do you remember what were the splits that you did, the swim, bike and run splits? Oh, yeah, I think um, the swim was like 22 minutes, something like that, 22 or 23 uh, the bike was two twelve, I want to say two hours yeah. and twelve, and the run was one seventeen flat. All right, and so, uh, may- maybe we start there because it's something that I wanted to ask when you were racing at the peak of your fitness and uh, achieving your best results. What did your training look like? So maybe that's a good example. What 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 sort of training led to that performance? Well, I would I will say that there nothing really special. Like there is not really a, a secret recipe of how you achieve success in in triathlon. It's it's a lot of accumulated work over years, and it's about staying consistent and doing the right things at the right time. And it sounds uh, pretty simple, but it's absolutely not. And making the right decisions at the right time. Uh, often, you know, when you are feeling a little nickel or you are a little tired. 
do I go through the, with the session or do I pull back and do a f- little few intervals or do I even like not go out for a run or ride that day? So those tiny decisions you have to make all the time. I think those are the one that matters in the long run. And often it's about not going overboard and always keeping a little bit in the tank, always having that um, ability to, um, if you needed to do one more, you can, one more interval, you can. And then also remember that no sessions are more important than the other one. So like you need to back it up the day after. So it's that whole mindset of, staying consistent um if you want to be more specific of what did i train well i would say like probably um hour wise it was something like 26 to 20 hours a week 26 hours to 28 hours a week um and about two key sessions per discipline more or less per week yeah uh, that's uh, that's a perfect answer i think we're starting with uh, the most important things and then then uh, narrowing down into w- what things like the volume looked like and, uh, and yeah. the key sessions yeah uh, you're, you're right it's the accumulation of volume and sometimes you don't even know that you have a peak performance in you and then then it just no. happens exactly or... something it actually did come as a surprise that i raised that well um i would have thought that it would come maybe like half a year later because i was still fairly new on the distance it was only my second year doing um 70.3 races and at that point i still haven't really um dialed the nutrition probably either so all the races before the the race in bahrain i always kind of felt flat around 15k on the run where i was just losing you know i just had no more energy in the end so it was actually the first race where I got nutrition right as well. Um, so there are only, you know, a great handful of races uh, throughout your, your career where you just, you're just absolutely nailing it and you are in, on cloud seven and everything is just going, yeah, so, so well. Like you are racing so effortless, but still so hard it's just comfortable to be in this kind of cloud seven um if if you know what i mean it's just yeah. amazing when you get there but you don't get many of those in your lifetime yeah I, I i think i know what you mean there i kind of sense it as in some races you just you can push yourself to a level that you normally can't and you can feel all of the pain but you can kind of embrace it in a different way than you normally can and uh, and you can you can bear it for a long period of time when you have those those days and, and that's yeah. what makes all the difference if you oh, can yeah. if you can really push yourself so much harder than you than you normally can and you can do yeah. that for a long time. It's magical when you get there, right? And and I mean sometimes you feel a similar uh, feeling in training. Uh, but you know, you have so many training days and so many sessions out there, but you don't have that many races to get it right. Yeah, you maybe well, I probably raced like 120 triathlons throughout my career, but still, you know, I, I have no idea how many hours I've trained in total. So, I mean, getting it right on a certain day that's a race day that you have not decided that day, it's um, it's magical when it happens. Yeah. So so these days you're mainly working as a coach, is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. I still stay active. Um, I mean, I did not stop triathlon because I didn't love it anymore. It was just time to um, to do something else. And they were, I was ready to kind of uh, start to give back to the sport and, and help people um, 
achieve uh, their dreams. So yeah, I uh, I train a bit every day myself, and then uh, I coach uh, some athletes. And and I think you already have mentioned some of the really important things there with the accumulation of training over years and 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 always leaving a little bit in the tank and so on. But uh, but are there any other key principles that you as a coach try to uh, advise your athletes and and teach them and instill in them that that you think are important to to understand as an athlete yeah so i think it's very very important for me the whole person approach um so that i want to get to know uh, my athlete i want to know their situation how do they their working situation their family situation uh, how are their everyday life looking so that I can plan according to their restrictions? Uh, I think that's essential for um, for the right sort of coaching because anybody can make a plan, but it's the coaching aspect of it that is um, the art, if, if you want to say it like that. So I think it's about balancing the, the stressors, other stressors in life so that when, if we're talking about an age group or an amateur where triathlon is 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 the hobby right so you don't want this hobby to take all your the the left energy you have in you you know when you also have to spend energy on on family and and work you want it to give you energy you want to bring it happiness bring you happiness and and looking at that whole person approach i think that there you can certainly make everything get up to a higher level uh, and you can see the crossovers from what the sport is giving you and then see the crossovers to your work life as well. Suddenly you might be able to start to perform better at work and you are being more structured there. You are starting to achieve some result there that you have maybe you never ever wanted to dream about. So when you, when you can balance this whole thing, um, then it's getting interesting. So, Whole person approach is something that I'm very, very, um, yeah, keen on. Um, then I also uh, am a very uh, feel based coach, so I use a lot of uh, rated perceived effort. Uh, I want to teach my athletes that to listen to their body. How what does this? Uh, how does this feel for you? Like I'm, I'm explaining, I would like it to feel like this. This uh, sort of session that you're going out to do, and then. I'm then trying to observe and, and monitor the feedback that they come with. Um, and then after that, it's like then I'm seeing, okay, what was the watts and the heart rate according to that feel and then get the evaluation that way. Um, yeah. And then really learn, like teach my athletes to what are, what are your zones and when to, to push and how to push um, and how to, like I would say like, I would say professionals are masters at knowing our body and knowing how they're supposed to feel. Like we're so familiar with going out there and training hard and, and training easy, but also going out where it's so uncomfortable that that familiar feeling and that knowing of how, um, how far you can go, we can always bring that into racing. And then when you race, you get better at that intuition of, okay, I know I can go harder because I've been there before. I know myself. And to, to get to know yourself as an athlete is just an incredible tool that will give, make you such a strong athlete in races as well. 
and even in the day-to-day training especially for uh, for amateurs with work and family the the variability from day to day can be quite a lot bigger i think compared to professionals because there is so much more so many more unknowns with like how a stressful day at work or stressful family obligations might affect you so maybe on a day when you are supposed to do a certain hard workout and whatever hard is might feel a lot lot harder than it should than being able to use that rating or perceived exertion to to pace yourself and based on based on all the other things that have been going on is is an important skill yeah uh, absolutely yeah so that you don't absolutely bury yourself absolutely that's exactly how it is so i think it's 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 great that you know you bring your devices out there that you have your you can measure the watts and you can measure whatever if you're measuring heart rate and speed and all these things but it's so important that that's a guide and you do not get dictated by it out there because you know that day where you're supposed to push i'm just going to say something 250 watts and they're just not there that day you know you cannot find those watts in your legs and you're trying so hard to get there and you are going overboard and you're pulling yourself apart to to achieve those 250 watts that was on the program. But if you started to listen to yourself, okay, is this a strong effort today? And you might only be hitting 230, right? But you're still getting that physiological stimuli without going overboard so that the next day you might have to pull back or you will get ill in a few days or something like that. So do not be a slave to your devices. Uh, I would say like uh, measure it and use them and evaluate uh, afterwards uh, when you go home and then write your subjective feedback and then load up uh, upload your devices and then we would learn as we go on with okay what does that mean in terms of watts and paces and heart rate for you but also as you say like for instance like heart rate it's affected by so many things right and and yeah as you said with, with work stresses or if you have slept enough but it's also with like humidity and heat and cold and there is so much dehydration level hydration level there's so many things that affects your heart rate that it's just if you're only using that you will often get it wrong do you ever get pushback for example when a new athlete starts with you and uh, and maybe they're used to training in a in a way that's very much driven by a certain pace target or power target or heart rate target did you get pushback from athletes with that and and if so kind of what is the yeah like how how do you help the athletes learn to get used to that and be confident in training and in relying more on their perceived effort yeah i'm, I'm explaining why it is uh, why it is such a massive tool to be able to listen to yourself and 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 learn how does this feel and your perceived effort and then slowly like also um then together with them looking at your data and it's like how did that actually feel today or could you have gone harder or did you go too hard and then making sure that that there are connections and this teaching yourself to listen to your body is actually only going to make you a better athlete that you will not only be fixated and on the data and also often if it is as i explained just before Let's say you could not hit the target on the day, you will go home and you will feel so deflated because you did not achieve what you were supposed to achieve. But if you are not solely focusing on that number, you might actually come home and say, well, I did what I could on the day, 
I did not give up. I did not jump the fence at the lowest. I just did not have those what's in me today because I had a screaming kid all night or my boss at work is an idiot or, you know, there's so many other things that can factor why you could not hit the numbers on that day. Yeah, that's good. And uh, and the other thing that you mentioned there earlier about uh, finding a good balance between training and the rest of your life, are there, do you have some common examples of things that uh, you tend to maybe change when a new athlete perhaps starts working with you and you start to get to know them and you learn what their life is like are there any common denominators things that quite often happen that you change in their training to account for finding that balance uh often i sit down and ask them you know of course uh, when can you train and when do you work and when can you swim and are there days where you can't do this and this and this And then really sit down and then say, okay, we need to be realistic here. I know you would like to train 20 hours if you could. And you might say to me, yeah, it is possible. But in reality, it probably isn't. Yeah, maybe for a few weeks and then it will be too much. So it's about finding this realistic uh, starting point that you are able to do day in and day out and week in, week after week. So you're accumulating that load rather, you know, Better start a little bit out, a little bit less than a little bit too much, because then it's actually practical, practical, doable. And then you would actually be able to be consistent instead of like, as I said, after a few weeks, it's not possible. So maybe scaling a little bit down and then see, okay, now they're actually able to hit the sessions and get the, the, the most out of each session instead of it's going to be something like you do it with your left hand or you, you can't really get it done probably and then you have to cut here and there and there instead of say okay i can only do one session this day instead of like yeah could maybe do two i'll try and then you only kind of do do two halves and then instead of do you know what i mean so it's about starting out at a realistic realistic starting point instead of we most of us we want to do so well and we have so many dreams and we will get there, but we just need to be patient. Yeah. And uh, as a fellow coach, I also recognize that when you have an athlete saying they can do two sessions on a given day and you might prescribe two sessions to them because that's what they said they can do. And then in the end, what happens is that maybe they only do one for several weeks, but that might not be the one that you as a coach would have prioritized if yeah. you had known that, okay, they're actually only going to be able to do one. So Exactly. So from that perspective as well, prioritization, it is important or it is a good strategy to have a slightly more conservative target in how much you can do because then you it's easier to get the priorities right in that coach-athlete relationship. Exactly. And then really getting the the purpose of the sessions out instead of like, uh, yeah, that that suddenly it's it's all like semi, uh, yeah, gray, all of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so switching gears a little bit, uh, what do you think are things that are kind of similar and also what are things that are different uh, when it comes to pros versus amateur age group athletes? W- what are universal principles and what are things that uh, that are that you cannot just assume that just because this is how it works for pros, it should work for amateurs? Mm-hmm. I would say consistency is what's that's you know, universal principle across all. It's about applying uh, day after day, week after week, the the load and the work, and then 
slowly you will become more fit and a better athlete. That is that is universal. Also, how do we reduce the amount of stressors that we have in our life? Uh, all the fluff that's around and all the things we need to do. Like as a professional, like it was all about keeping it it simple in your everyday life so that you didn't have too many uh, balls up in the air and not too much on your plate because you really needed to focus on, yeah, train, eat, sleep, repeat. Like it, it was literally just trying to make it simple. And of course you can't do it, do it like that um, as an amateur, but you can still stress reduce and be mindful of all the things you are taking on, you know, a million and five things, maybe only a million things. And then just cut back a little bit um, on the things that might not be necessary. Because taking on triathlon as a hobby, it takes up a lot of time. It really does. And there we just need to be aware that we have to say no to some things. We can't keep saying yes to everything we usually said yes to. And I think that is more women <laughs> that maybe struggle to say no um, because we would like to be able to do everything well. Um, but yeah. Reducing your stress is, is also universal. Then I think for the difference could be like for pros, um, we as we, I were, <laughs> but pros in general, they are so good at simplicity. Um, a session doesn't need to be um, super creative. It doesn't need to entertain you. You know, it can be week after week where you're doing the same 10 by two minutes. Uh, they're really, really good at handling repetitions. It doesn't need, need to be, yeah, as I said, um, anything exciting because uh, they have this deep, deep burning desire to um, succeed uh, in, in, their, in their job uh, because that's, that's, you know, what we live and breathe for. Uh, so I think that just handling that repetition and handling the simple training sessions are something that pros are exceptional at where I feel um often amateurs they need a little bit more entertainment like in terms of like the session would they would like them to be a little bit more creative uh, so that they feel sometimes that also the times go by a little faster um there i feel a difference but else there are so many transferables across absolutely Mm, yeah, that's a great answer. And uh, it's funny you should say that about uh, maybe a female athletes taking on, uh, being more prone to taking on a bit more out outside of triathlon and, and all the other things as well. I, I do have the same experience as a coach with, with the female athletes that I coach and have coached uh, that, uh, that that might well be a trend that, that exists. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, so can we maybe break down what a typical training week might look like for for an amateur athlete that you coach and uh, you can choose whichever profile you want, whether it's an intermediate or advanced or more beginner athlete. Just describe a little bit which athletes, which type of athlete you're talking about and then just a, a basic kind of structure training week. Mm. Well, again, I, there is no one fits all. Like there, I don't think there is something that is... Uh, super typical for my athletes again i try to really figure out who who am i working with and and what's possible for the person but uh, there needs to be like a nice proportion between the workload the easy work and the rest really that's kind of the overall principle um, and then often it is in the weekend you have the bigger load uh, but again it all depends on the person's situation he might be uh, 
working from home and therefore he can work uh, train more in, in the week and then he has a commitment to his wife in the weekend that there he spends time with her so you know you can never really say mm, this is typical but uh, but um if you want me to say something with I will Exam- not call ex- it example rather than typical <laughs> an example yeah. yeah so often I would have um let's say we have a, a guy that's about 10 hour Ironman guy mm. um he will be at this time of year which we are now in in March he will be uh, riding three times a week so two days two weekdays and a, a longer ride in the weekend and uh, In the middle of the week, there will be like a, a shorter, harder efforts, and in the weekend there will be more longer efforts, and then there will be like a um, just just a ride, like a basic ride, just some foundation work as well. For the running, it will be similar. We would have about three, maybe four sessions a week, um, where in the week uh, days there will be like a. Um, a session with some intensity at the moment it can be hills or it can be some shorter fat leg stuff to kind of get the leg speed starting and also the neuromuscular stimuli of running faster and moving faster and then in the weekend we will have some more longer build stuff but still keeping it relatively steady and in control nothing crazy just yet and then the rest is is sprinkled with easy running not long runs but just some easy running for the swim Usually that is where uh, many can't cope with much more than two times a week because it takes a long time to get to and from the pool. And at the moment due to COVID, a lot of pools are closed. But else, uh, two, I like three times a week, but two times is fine. And then those two times will be, there will be no fluff in the pool. There will be usually a kind of a big main session so that the time spent in the pool, they are super efficient and get some work done. Uh, and I'm, um, I use a lot of uh, strength work in the pool. Uh, so that would be paddle work, uh, band and paddles and pool boy work so that you are strong because you need to be strong in open water and co- focusing on, on high cadence and front of body cats. Um, and then doing some endurance work where you have not a lot of rest so that you get familiar with the, you know, swimming long durations in races. Um, and then as we get closer to races, we will start to incorporate running off the bike too. But at the moment, very few are running off the bike. It's often a, a too big of a stress on the body and not necessary just yet. Mm. Yeah, that's a, that's a great example. And when you mentioned there the longer efforts on the weekend, would those be, but that are not too hard, would that be kind of Ironman, target Ironman pace or maybe a little faster? Or is that roughly the sort of yeah pace we're talking about at the moment yeah we are staying like just around like like even like just doing like a 90 minute basic long run or 70 or an hour 40 minute long run just getting out there and and, and getting you know f- training that uh, resist uh, fatigue resistance so like being familiar to run tired and carrying yourself with a nice strong form while you are getting tired due to the load and the impact on the body. And then for the, for the people that are really strong runners already, you know, you could sprinkle in like a two by 15 minutes steady or let them build the session throughout. So progressive throughout the whole run. So like 
finish stronger towards the end, but all like how, you know, it's all about how do you feel out there. And, 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 and right now I try not to put like pace targets on, but it's more feel of what, what, what can you do on the day so that it's more like a strong run. Yeah. And when you mentioned the, uh, the harder, shorter ride in the, during the week, uh, with with some efforts would that be like would that be just a couple of minutes or five minutes or 10 minutes what sort of efforts are we talking about are they like more like via two max or threshold or yeah so um at the moment i'm doing a lot of like uh, strength riding so a lot of uh, overgearing, so heavy gears low cadence work those are brilliant to build up specific strength on the bike that can carry on to being uh, strong for longer efforts. And then also those st- strength efforts I do. And then I also do um, 30 seconds a minute fast, you know, full, full on, full sprint. And then with one or two minutes easy in between. So it's really like power production, neuromuscular very short VO2 max um, efforts as well. They're brilliant at the moment and maybe up to like two minutes of work uh, at the moment. And they will obviously, they will get longer and more race specific. All right. Perfect. Um, is some sort of testing uh, important for you? Like, do you do any field tests or even lab tests for athletes that have the ability to do that? What's your view on that? Yeah, so I do, um, as, as I said in the beginning, I'm a very field-based coach, but I do have uh, people do FTP tests, um, so like that functional trestle power test, um, either on the, on the trainer or out if they have a piece of rope where they do not have lights or cars and stuff so they can get it done. Um, and it's more to give like an indication of, okay, where are we at the moment? You know, how does this look? And then I might do it again in a couple of months so that it's not going to be a big deal when they say FTP, when they see that in their session, they shouldn't be afraid or feel pressure or get nervous. And it's just a part of the training to kind of give us an indication. Okay. Where are we? And I will also sometimes have like best average swim. So it could be like 10 by hundred with 15 seconds rest, best average. So just swim as hard as you can across the 10. And that's again, you know, a nice baseline test. Where are we at the moment? And then we build from there. Um, and those, of course, these numbers, then you can also make some target intervals. But again, you always need to be mindful of the, the field effort, the perceived field effort. Um, I would say, like, um, um, I think the pros uh, can more use the, the labs, uh, the test in the labs. But um and for amateurs sometimes it can be quite overwhelming and it can be quite and also for pros artificial situation where it's like you underperform and you're there with a mask and it's not you haven't you do never gonna have a situation like that in in racing and sometimes it's like you can't really use the numbers for a lot if you're not really used to doing these tests uh, so i would say the best um indicator of where we are are races and that is real life that's where we need to be good at and one thing is to be good at doing an ftp test or a lab test another thing is to do a a great triathlon it's just a completely another world like triathlon putting three things together with some transitions and nutrition and some psychology on top of it is just another 
is just another animal. And so I think that that racing or any sort of like, if there are local, small local races, just jump into them, get experience. And and they will give us so great a medication of where are we. And if you are using devices to measure all the things during the race, we have so much to evaluate on afterwards. Um, And there are so many things, oh, I did that wrong. I should do that better and write it down and we'll do it different next time. Yeah, uh, that, that's a really great point, and and it's something that uh, I'm of. It sounds like we're on the very same opinion that from races you can learn so much that you can't learn anywhere else. And uh, I mean, just the example of the FTP test on the bike versus going out and doing a race. I just think that there's a big variability in what sort of power you can produce for, let's say, an Olympic distance race based on what you did in the swim. If you're absolutely going balls to the walls in that swim then you're not going to be able to produce the same power as if you do like a hard but still somewhat controlled swim and pace yourself but then again depending on the race situation as you know from your itu racing backgrounds there are definitely races where you maybe have to go all out on the swim and uh, yeah and then you just have to see what you have on the bike but uh, but the point being there that just because you did you have an quote-unquote ftp of whatever doesn't mean that you can say that okay so in the race i'm going to be able to do this many watts because it just depends so much on the race dynamics and then of course in the run the swim and the bike will have will have impacted that and and yeah i do think that uh, probably a lot of amateurs are maybe afraid of racing uh racing a lot when when in reality if they have the time and the motivation to do it uh, then racing more would probably be beneficial because even if well for one thing you're building fitness it's a great fitness building tool to some extent but but the more important thing perhaps is that every single race you learn something and and it will make you better for the next time absolutely yeah i think if you are also after a race you know go home and write down what did go well and what didn't go well and then learn from that i i always wrote down uh, i always evaluated my races uh, because often you can't remember until the next one uh, what it was that you did not do well or if you believe that you trained, you should have trained a little differently or that session you did that Wednesday, maybe you should have scaled that back and then you would have been able to race maybe better. I was coaching myself the last three years of my career with my husband on the side and and there I really had to be you know, objective on, on seeing, okay, what are we doing right? What are we doing wrong? And can we do anything better? And I think that then the races really gave us a great indication of, ah, oh, we are on the right track. We're doing things right. And then, as you also said with the races, how it can be a fitness booster. If you, you know, are tapering a bit or resting a little bit into the race and then also respect the, the, the stress that race was on the body, um, then you can get a huge f- fitness booster if you're just resting a little bit after the race again and, and not get carried away. And then Monday morning, you are out doing intervals again, you know, just let that race settle and adapt and then you will bounce back stronger. Um, so races are amazing. Um, and then also don't be afraid of going really, really hard. Don't be afraid of just taking some chances out there when you're racing a, you know, you might surprise yourself. And when it is that you surprise yourself, it builds your confidence to the next one. Uh, and then suddenly you're dead doing even more because last time you did not break and uh, you could race harder than you thought you could. Um, there's nothing better than when your body is showing up and, and you can do more than you think you can. 
Yeah, and that's where knowing how to uh, how how to listen to your body and and knowing how to race and train by feel comes in as well. Like if you if you have one of those days and and you end up doing a really hard effort, but you feel that okay, I should be able to manage this for the rest of the race, but then you look down at your watch and it is you're running ten seconds per kilometer faster than you think that you can. Then unless you have the confidence in yourself that no, I can actually do this effort, I, I know that this is an effort that I can sustain then uh, you might back yeah. off and and not have that breakthrough day so exactly. to say exactly yeah actually for me in terms of like the the watch like it was not before getting up to like a, a long distance ironman that i use the watch on the run i coming from short distance itu racing where you go as hard as yeah possibly tasting blood i'm going to puke kind of feeling in the body so that I just carry that on to the half distance that I just really just believed in myself and I knew how hard I could run. I knew the feeling of running. I knew I could keep going for 21 kilometers and then feeling it incredible hard. Um, so yeah, I never had a watch on and, and I often could say when I passed the finish line, I think I've run this fast and now I was so close all the time and guessing my time. Yeah. So it, it, that's obviously doesn't come overnight. That's, years and years and years and years of, of, of teaching yourself how does this feel yeah yeah um and one thing you mentioned there with the tapering and and resting after the race uh, leads me to something that i wanted to ask about uh, when you're in the preparation phase like now in march and many in the northern hemisphere we're still maybe a few months out from from racing do you work typically in a structure of um having all the weeks be kind of a similar training load or do you work on a kind of three weeks of higher load one week of lower load or or anything like that how how do you view that sort of recovery structure yeah so i incorporate recovery in every week and so i like to have a day at least one day a week where it's either full rest day or legs off legs off meaning like yeah only a swim day um, so that you can recover from, from the running and riding, which is the most tasking on the body, especially the running. So I have that every single week. And it's probably the one where you do, um, I like to, if possible, having Monday um, as a very easy day. Then you do two or three days where you it's, it's significant harder. Then you do one day easier, a little bit easier again. And then the weekend hard, more or less. So like it's it's one, two, one, three, something like that. Yeah. Um, uh, I think that is, and then um, depending on the person, depending on the feedback, I will probably after five weeks or six, depending on who the person is, uh, have like a week of easier load. Uh, so just like an easier week, not like you're not training, but just an easier week where we have no hard intervals at all. It could also just be three days of that, again, depending on who you are. Uh, but then so just everything settles. So especially here uh, at the beginning or now where there are no races, um, then it's good to kind of break it up like that. Whereas like in race season, often there will be a race after six weeks or whatever um, that that you are tapering for a little bit and you are resting for a little bit. So it will be like a, a natural way of kind of bringing down your training ever so slightly. Let that block of work settle let your body adapt and get stronger before you build that next layer on it yeah all right perfect 
if we discuss a little bit around each discipline, perhaps if you can just give uh, one or two pieces of advice for athletes to improve each of uh, the three disciplines. So with swimming, what would some key pointers be for age groupers to improve their swimming? I think for swimming, um, it's learn to be comfortable about being uncomfortable. I think there are a lot of age groupers that do not swim hard enough. It might sound really hard to say it like that, but I think that it comes way easier for many to ride and run hard. So doing the ride and run, bike and run intervals is not a problem, but doing intervals in the pool where you're really uncomfortable is more difficult to get in. Uh, you often find yourself swimming in a comfortable pace uh, or in the same pace. And that then you often hear people saying, I only have one pace in the swim. If it's a half Ironman or an Ironman, it's the same. And that is because you are not pushing yourself hard enough in the pool. So um, I think there can be too much fluff in the swim sessions um, where it's like, yeah, too much kicking or too much drills. And if you're only swimming twice a week of an hour um, or 50 minutes twice a week, you need to make sure that the time you spend in the pool is efficient and you get some work done. And you have a the, the biggest chunk of the session is the main session where the meat and potatoes is in. Um, if, you know, you would never have a bike session where you ride 80% of the ride with one leg, um, like you would do in a swim session where you would be doing drill for 80% of the session. You know, you will not become a fast open water swimmer um, by doing 80% drill. Of course, drills are important. Swimming is a technical discipline, but at the same time, you also need to be fit in the water. So I think there um, it's something to embrace that and, and accept that swimming is hard. And even for me coming as a, a competitor, elite swimmer, um, I swam really, really hard as a triathlete. If I did not do that, I just couldn't be front pack swimmer. It just required that I, I still kept it up. And I think sessions, if you ask, when you ask for that, something like some trestled short rest endurance session. So it could be like, um, 30 by 100, uh, where you have very short rest, um, where, you know, you're lying in about some sort of like race pace effort and you just keep going. You go in, you check the time, tick out again. And, you know, you get that feeling of this is how it feels to do a 70.3 swim or an Ironman swim. This is how I feel out there, but I can keep going. You know, you get familiar with the pain. Um, I did the leading into Kona 18, where I was one of the first out of the water. I did this replicating the same swim session every single Friday for 10 weeks. And I had the easiest in quote mark swims in Kona and the fastest uh, swim I could you know, have dreamt about um, and that was just because I was so familiar with you know going hard really really hard in the pool that I knew I have done this so many times I can keep going um, and I think that's really undervalued how important that is that confidence hard swimming gives you in racing. Yeah, that's a great answer. And as a bit of a side note, but uh, as a with your background in competitive swimming, do you feel that I mean, obviously with the volume that you're swimming as a swimmer, it makes sense that a lot more of it is what you might call fluff. But at the same time, do you feel that there's too much fluff, and maybe it would like 
drills and and all sorts of things and and that's maybe either just having more rest perhaps or replacing it with actual swimming like basically incorporating technique work in the full stroke would make sense because sometimes i'm not a swimmer so i might 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 be completely off base here but sometimes i feel that that all the drill sets and and all of that it, it has its purpose don't get me wrong but also sometimes that purpose seems to be a lot for entertainment and people are going mm-hmm. through the motions in the pool and not necessarily benefiting so much from it so what's your take on that yeah, I mean, they do have a significant amount of hours in the pool, so they do have way more more time. And I also think it also depends on if it's the younger swimmers or the swimmers that are getting a little bit older and also then knowing why are they actually swimming that day. They literally have goals. They're not just there because their best friends is also there swimming, right? There you need to be entertained in a higher degree than if you're really have a deep down desire for achieving something great. Um, but you also need to remember that the small uh, uh, one, uh, one tenth of a hundred, what is it called? Like, like a one tenth of a second, for instance, Hundreds matters yeah, in yeah, swimming. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. Whereas in triathlon, it doesn't matter. You know, there's so many things that can, can matter in open water. People can swim on top of you, the waves, the current, pulling your wetsuit down, goggles off, or you get a bad start due to something, or there's so many elements out there you need to cope with, whereas in, in, a, in a pool environment, a, a swimming environment, you have your lane. There is nothing you would not predict that would happen. You No one would get into your lane. It's always the same situation. So you can train for these tiny, tiny uh, uh, things in the swim, which you can't in triathlon, where... That's about being strong and fit and resilient and aggressive and assertive in water. Um, it's not so much if you turn your hand two mil to the right. It doesn't matter because that hand is obvious. Probably there will be another person that will be on top of your hand, so you won't even catch that water. So the, the open water swim as a trap, it is just so different, and you just need to be confident and strong to have a good swim. And that requires that you swim hard in the water yeah. in training. Do you have any other specific tips for the open water element of of swimming other than getting fit and strong and resilient? Yeah, um, working on relatively high cadence, uh, again, being aware that you don't have a lot of space when you're swimming in a race. Uh, There's so many people around you. So if you have a fast stroke, then if you are losing one stroke because someone else took your water, then it doesn't cost that much if then if you had like long gliding fine strokes i was actually one with long gliding distance per stroke kind of swimmer as a swimmer uh, but coming into triathlon that was absolutely not doable like uh, I, there was not space to have this beautiful stroke i needed to incorporate fast turnover much more aggressive turnover and then other than that focus on your cat so the front end of your stroke so that that is really the most important part of the stroke because often you might even get to the back end of your stroke because again there can be other people that's taking your water there and then another thing is when you're siding try not to lift your head too much uh, because that will make your um your hip and your legs sink a little bit and they will make give you more resistance you would drag your body a little bit more through the water so if you can just kind of just just get your eyes over the water that's enough 
Um, and you, you do not breathe when you are siding, you're only siding, you just breathe through the side again when it is that you swim normally. I think those three things would be my key takeaways in the water or more. Yeah, perfect. And uh, then what about biking? A couple of key tips for that. Um, I think that um, intervals towards the end of a longer ride is something that is, is really, really key to improve your bike strength and your abilities in a race. It's like training under fatigue. Again, it's training the fatigue resistance. So when we are racing, we are also uh, under fatigue, you know, when we have been, especially an Ironman, if you are been lying out there for five hours on the bike, you are starting to get tired. And if you are training to be able to have a strong back end of your race, Uh, that means that when it is that you have intervals, wait with the intervals towards the end of your ride so that you're actually carrying a bit more fatigue into that. Uh, those intervals that would like, of course, not every, all the intervals. There's some intervals where the target is to hit super high numbers, like to go as fast as you can and produce as much power as possible. But many of our sessions are these like long sustained effort. It could be three by 20, three by 30 minutes or like, building the last hour strong or something like that, which is just super key for having a strong back end of your race. Uh, and again, then you will be, when you train those sort of sessions, you will be familiar with that feeling um, you have in those sessions. When you get to racing, you know you can keep going because you know this feeling. You, you can back yourself and I back yourself and think I've done this so many times and I get through it. Yeah. I might feel dizzy and nauseous and I don't know what, but I can get through it. I've been here. I've done it. And I think that confident boost again is just invaluable for a race. Yeah. I think that's an absolutely fantastic tip and definitely something that I also prescribe a lot. One of the favorite sessions that I prescribe to my athletes is just kind of uh, for a long weekend ride, let's say three and a half hours. It would be, Two hours, 45 minutes, steady, kind of mid to high zone two, and then 30 minutes of um, tempo zone three or maybe yeah. clo close to 7.3 race pace. Even when you get close to the race itself, it might be up to race pace, but but usually it's a bit under under race pace, but still 30 minutes of just solid, solid zone three work and then mm. a 50-minute warm down. Mm. And to do that after two hours, 45 minutes of of good mid to high zone two work is a completely different thing than doing it in the middle of a one hour ride during the week or, or something like that. And as you say, Absolutely. it is really, really good for, for the specificity yeah. of, of triathlon to, to be able to do that. Yeah, exactly. They are, they are the bread and butter of triathlon, you know, doing those intervals late in, in the session is just, it's tough, but it's also super satisfying when you could through it, uh, And I also think often that you would uh, not be able to go overboard, uh, you know, because you are training with fatigue. You are tired at that point so that you often don't overreach because you simply can't. There is no more in the tank. And and there we're also staying again in the safe zone of not overdoing it and then becoming inconsistent in training. Yeah, that's a, that's a really great point. Um, yeah, and then the run, what would be something, some piece of advice for improving your run? 
I think uh, trying to vary your terrain and vary the surfaces you run on, uh, see if you can get off uh, off the road and into the gravel or in the forest uh, or on the treadmill or the track, which is also softer. Anything that will have a soft surface because it is pounding the pavement. It is tough on the body. The impact uh, running is just simply the hardest thing. And, and it is something that, uh, yeah, can get us injured if we, if we don't respect those things. And I would also say the older you get, the more you should probably be aware of running on some softer surface. It doesn't mean that you become a slower runner by when you get older, not at all. You're just maybe a little bit more sensitive because you, you know, your, your joints and your bones and your ligaments um, are not as young as they were and they don't recover as fast as they did. Um, so vary the terrain, uh, even if it means that you need to drive to the spot sometimes because we might think it's nice that you can run from home and it is amazing you can but sometimes you just need to drive for it simply to get on a soft surface and then also um, change in between a couple of shoes so that you don't run in the same pair of shoes all the time Um, again so that you are you protect your body and are supported in in different ways and in terms of uh, run sessions to improve your running I think it's similar uh, with the biking where, you know, build runs or where you, within a longer run, you incorporate like a longer steady piece or, yeah, building towards race pace uh, over a longer period of time so that you train yourself to run um, with a tired body. How do you hold a nice form? How do you not, you know... For, uh, you, you can, st- how do you still activate your glutes, that power center when you're running, when you're tired? Uh, but you need to train that feeling so that you're not only running intervals as the first thing straight after the warm up. Perfect. And uh, finally, we talked a lot about racing already, but, uh, but in terms of racing execution, uh, is there anything there that you want to share in terms of uh, tactics or strategy or? mental uh, focus points, anything that can help athletes race better? Yeah, I think um, you always get these, you know, doubts and you're nervous leading into a race, which is good. Like you should be worried, uh, nervous because that's because you care, right? If you don't care, then you might not get nervous at all. So, so the nerves are good and the butterflies are good, but try and rest in your preparation and 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 look back at your training sessions that, I always encourage people, as I say, to evaluate also the training and write down some notes after every session so that you can go back and then you get so much confident in seeing what you've actually done in your preparation and that you can rest in, okay, I'm ready, you know, and I'm actually so ready that I'm so soon to get on this start line and getting to the start line ready and healthy and happy is a big part of the puzzle. To get to the start line and get ready is just sometimes difficult Um so, so rest in that and be grateful that you are going to get out today and shine um, or tomorrow, whenever that race is, because that's what we train for. Most of us is going out racing. Uh, and then I think when you are in the race, it's about staying in the process um, and staying within each portion of the race and not let yourself get carried away. So try and, you know, be in the swim when you are in the swim, you know, how do you get to this boy the best way or, um, and then, do everything you can to everything you can in the moment. Uh, because if you do everything you can as 
the best way you can, you can only be satisfied when you cross that finish line, even though that it was maybe not the position or the the time that you dreamt about before the race started. But if you can ask yourself, did I do everything I could? And you can say yes, then you might start you might start by getting disappointed, but after that you will be satisfied because that was what the body had on the day. As we started by talking about like the, the, the date for this race, that was not something that you decided and sometimes the body just doesn't show up. Um, but if you can stay in the moment and do the best you can in each part of the race, then you can only be satisfied. So I think that's a, that's a great one. And that's also, yeah, just to, you know, when you're out there and it can be a long day to kind of keep going back to yourself and checking in, okay, am I doing the best I can do? right now yeah yeah I've, i think anybody who's done triathlon for a couple of years or more have had races where uh we did not feel that we gave our best or managed to get the best out of ourselves or we failed to stay in the moment and and uh and those are at the end of the day a lot more disappointing than the races when you do give your best but even if you don't maybe achieve the position or the time that you that you wanted to and but i think those are also the learning experiences that you at least for me personally i know that the feeling after a race when when i feel that well i did i i I didn't really give my best you know that's the most horrible feeling in in the sport of triathlon and once you have had a couple of those then you really don't want to have that again and you can use that in future races to to encourage you to to stay in the moment no matter how things go even if you have a crappy swim you keep giving your 100 percent on the bike uh because you just don't want to experience that feeling again of, of not not mm. doing your best and not not trying to do the best you can with the moment you're in. Absolutely, yeah. And I have yeah, I've had also a situation in a race where I I didn't race as I wanted to certain instances of the race and you just sit with that empty feeling afterwards like, ah, why didn't I do this? And why did I do that? And so and yes, yeah, you said like when you have tried it, you're like, I'm not gonna do this again absolutely not that was a terrible feeling i had afterwards whereas like yeah if you give what you can along the way it's just such a you're just satisfied in a different way even though you might not have achieved what you started out dreaming about yeah yeah um i want to ask one more thing about your from your own career as an athlete and that's well a two-part question first what are some things you think you did really well and that listeners can learn from what you did well in your professional career? Um, I think doing the small things right every day. So in terms of body maintenance, so I spend a, um, a time before and after each sessions like foam rolling and using the stick and uh, using uh, a massage ball under my feet. So kind of... Uh, investing some time in loosening the body up after it's got after it's been out uh, training and working for me then i would actually you know um, spoil it a bit of what whatever you would call it just some self massage and self maintenance like that which would help me recover and bounce back uh, so much faster um, and be able to back up every single day so i think spending these five minutes before and after each session i think that's a a huge uh, plus it was a huge plus for me yeah and uh, are there some mistakes that you did that uh, that you now wish you would have done differently um i'll say um 
coming when I was coming back from injuries, I think running too fast too soon uh, was something I did wrong quite a few times. Uh, um, I running fast for me comes easy. That might sound arrogant, but I am a natural runner, and and I often struggle to actually run slow or run easy runs. I often just ran too fast. And to it was only towards the end of my career I really learned uh, how important it is to be able to run slow if you want to run fast and if you want to be a consistent runner without getting run injured. So running too fast too soon after race after injuries was something I would have liked to have learned a bit earlier than I did. Uh, you know, sometimes you need to make your own mistakes before you understand what it means. And sometimes you need to make the same mistakes many times before you really understand. Um, and I would say that's one of them. I actually ended by, if I really couldn't understand that message for myself, I would either go on the treadmill, put the pace on the treadmill. So I made sure that I did not touch it, even though that I felt that I could run with a closed mouth. Or I would have my husband riding next to me and literally pulling me back and tell me mm -mm, no faster than this and um, so that would be a thing that i would try and change <laughs> yeah all right perfect uh finally let's finish off with the rapid fire questions so take just one sentence to answer these and the first one is what's your favorite book blog or resource related to endurance sports so at the moment i'm reading a book called advanced sports nutrition with dan benaport Um, that book and then my own autobiography is coming out in english in a couple of months all right well that's exciting <laughs> yeah great uh yeah uh, is there a name a working title for that or uh, in pursuit of victory all right so i, I wrote it in danish uh, it came out this summer in denmark um my autobiography and now we are self-publishing it in uh, in english It is just gone into print, so it will be able to be shipped out worldwide. So I'm excited for it to come out. Yeah, yeah, cool. And uh, what's your favorite piece of gear or equipment? Um, it's uh, my stick, so the to self massage, so self body maintenance, and my treadmill. And finally, what's a personal habit that's helped you achieve success? Uh, my daily routine and the structure, the framework I had, and then not being a fanatic with anything, allowing balance in in my life so that I could keep doing it all the time. Perfect. And uh, finally, where can listeners find you on the internet and on social media? Uh, mostly on Instagram. I'm Hella Try on Instagram and the same on Facebook. And then I have my homepage which is hellofredriksen.com and then i am building um, a training platform and a content learning platform which is called our collective that uh, would also be ourcollective.com is that already launched and available or is it a work in progress yeah it will be in about six weeks we will launch the app Uh, where there will be personal training and targeted uh, content e-learning and then human support layer in this app um, in about six weeks. We will have it out uh, for beta test testing. So that's super exciting. I uh, can't wait for that to be become a reality. That's been a long time going. 
Yeah, and that's probably more like uh, I don't know three weeks from the time that this injury is published. So yeah, probably um, yeah. mid mid April. I would we will probably have it yeah. out. Uh, we'll try to have all all the links to to that in the in the show notes as well. Yeah, sounds good. Okay, well, thank you so much for your time today, Helle. It was uh, a pleasure talking to you. Thank you, thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Helle. It's been a couple of weeks since I conducted this interview by the time of recording this intro and outro, but I want to highlight a few things that I, from memory, uh, still to this day, stood out and resonated a lot with me from the chat with Helle. And those were, first of all, being able to train on feel and how important that is. Uh, Totally agree. The advice on race execution was brilliant, and I think that's something that a lot of us maybe miss in our eagerness to train perfectly, but then we kind of forget about, well, what about the race itself? The swim training advice and minimal fluff, especially for us time-crunched amateurs, was also really, really great, and basically just get right to it. You maybe don't need to do all of those drills that swimmers do. And uh, finally, doing intervals when tired. And this is something that I don't think have come up too much in the past on the podcast, maybe in some example weeks that I've described as part of Q&A episodes or, or, or things like that, but, but not specifically uh, or like directly addressing uh, doing intervals or doing hard work when tired. And, uh, but it is a principle that I really, really agree with and use a lot in my coaching. And, and I think the longer the race you're training for, the more important this is to see uh, what is your capacity once you've already done three hours of endurance on the bike, for example. Uh, what does your tempo, a tempo power feel like when, when you already have that amount of, of energy used up earlier in the workout? So that is a crucial point, I think, for, especially for, long distance triathlete and or also if you're a road cyclist or anything like that where the races are longer a marathon runner i think the same thing applies there as always you can find the show notes for this episode on scientifictriathlon.com and i'll I'll also link to a related episode because helle used to be coached by joel filial in her itu days and when first making the transition to long course triathlon and joel filial was a guest back in episode 172 it is to this day one of my favorite interviews on the podcast so check that one out if you have any interest in it it is really really brilliant there will be another episode as usual on Thursday on an uh, to date uh, undetermined uh, topic. And next Monday, I interview Kelly McNulty, who is a researcher behind two recent meta analyses uh, investigating the impact on exercise performance of uh, one menstrual cycle phase and two use of hormonal contraceptives. So, and then giving a lot of practical advice around that so so if you're a female athlete or a coach of female athletes then that's definitely one to listen to if you want to take your triathlon training to the next level then i highly recommend that you uh, check out our coaching services or training plans on scientifictriathlon.com we would be really glad to help you out with making your training the best it can possibly be Big thanks finally to our sponsors, Precision Hydration, that you can find on precisionhydration.com. Go and get a free hydration plan and uh, get 15% off your order of electrolyte products with the promo code DETTRIATHLONSHOW15. 
And thank you to Roka you can find on roka.com. Check out their wetsuits, dry suits, swim skins, goggles, high performance eyewear, and prescription glasses and sunglasses. And get 20% off your order with a promo code that you can get on roka.com forward slash TTS. Thank you, as always, for listening. Keep training smart and keep loving triathlon.